Hello, this is your host, Paul Harvey at Life, Passion and Business. I realise I put this at the end of the programme most of the time. And I also realise I don't often listen to the end of podcasts. So I thought I'd tell you here before we get started. So the first thing is this podcast is not supported in any way. We have no sponsorship. So if you would like to support us, do check out the Buy Me A Coffee link on this podcast app. And you also find it at the website. Okay, before I take you to the podcast, I want to give you a little bit of a reminder about the power of focus and accountability. This is the one tool that will really get you towards the goals you are seeking, towards the path you want to take. So listen to the end to find out more or check out the link in the show notes. Anyway, let's get you back to the podcast. My name is Paul Harvey, and you are listening to Life, Passion and Business, a podcast born out of my desire to find greater meaning in life at the time when I thought there was none. Since that day, I have spoken to hundreds of people, and what I have discovered is that our story is everything, because what we do, feel or experience is based on the stories that we tell ourselves. It's time to explore what it means to live a good life. How do we make this experience better? And more importantly, how do we lead the world to a better place? When I define mindfulness, I think about uh, being with the present moment, with you putting an intention on the present moment, you're focused on the present moment, and you're doing so with open curiosity, compassion, awareness, and non-judgment. And the non-judgment piece is is a crucial component of it because what we're trying to do is you're trying to move from doing mode to being mode. This is part two of my conversation with Billy La, and it's going to be a wonderful opportunity for you to experience the inside journey of someone who practices mindfulness on a daily basis and who's also taking that that process of learning to be a mindfulness coach and bringing it to the world. So there's quite a lot of conversations here about actual mindfulness and also about the journey of of presenting it and marketing it. So it's a really fascinating conversation. It's about personal leadership. So I will return you to my original introduction to remind you of the details of Billy La. The mindfulness journey is about being conscious of how we live in each moment. And yet most of the time, we actively seek to keep ourselves in distraction with busy stuff and routines. But what if there was no routine? What if you're in a place where you were forced to be conscious of where you are in any one moment? My guest on the show today is Billy La from Minnesota. Now, he grew up on a farm with no interest in farming. He did the college route with the idea of becoming a computer programmer because he liked chat rooms. And by accident, he gravitated towards teaching. He lived a normal life, working in education for over 21 years. He became the Dean of Students. Now, if you're not aware, the Dean of Students is the butt of every joke in all those teen movies. They're usually bald and over 50. And universally disliked by most students. To be fair, it is a role of service, meeting the needs of the student. And when the Dean gets involved, it's because there is a problem. For a people person like Billy, working in a conflict role was difficult. He did the job for six years, but becoming disenfranchised from the budding mental health problems and lacking job satisfaction. So at some point he made a huge decision. He was of a certain age, he was unmarried and he was not planning to be. So he thought he'd give it all up and travel while developing a mindfulness practice. 
Now the laptop lifestyle is a very attractive idea and it sounds wonderful until you try it. I have a limited experience on the road for a few months in the UK while running this podcast. Finding good Wi-Fi can be really depressing. Billy has been hopping countries since 2021 and our conversation is about that journey of self-discovery. He's travelled extensively in Asia to countries where he knows no one and does not speak the language. Now there's no big finale ending on this conversation as the question is still ongoing. There have been highs, there have been lows and there's still the aunt and he still has to answer the question. Does he continue his travels or go back to the States and return to teaching? As I said in the intro, this is part two. What I'm interested in, we've, we've explored your story over the questions you know, of, that, of passion, you know, success, meaning and contribution. So how do you put it all together? Because I, I know you are a mindfulness teacher. You've been on the road traveling for quite a few years now. So, and I also know it's new for you in some way. I know you're a podcast host, so we've got all those kind of things. Up. But so there's this aspect of personal leadership. There's also, but there's, there's more, there's so much more to this. So, so how do you bring this all together and have it come out in your life as it's like, what's the one question you want people to ask you to kind of go, oh, yes, I am this. It's all about this. Life is this. I feel like the way that I'm putting it together now is by putting myself out there. That is, it is hard to put yourself out there and be seen as an expert or as someone who is credible on social media because there's a bigger audience. And even though maybe you're 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 not going viral or anything like that, there's still you're still a bigger reach. And then the question becomes how do you respond when people say you suck? And luckily for me, I have plenty of experience up from that as being a dean because people would tell me they hate me and that I suck all the time. <laughs> so you, you you have strategies to deal with being told you suck then. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, 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 I don't... The I difference don't, I, I is, though... I particularly enjoy that. No, hang on a minute. There's a, difference, that, but... there's a difference here. You know, sort of like when it's the young kind of oik that tells you you suck, that's fine. But when it's a member of your family or someone who's of significance that tells you you suck, they know how to cut you to the quick. <laughs> I actually don't know that it's different either way. Okay. Because because here's the thing. I think the family member is going to say it in a more tactful way, <clears throat> whereas the the troll is going to say it in a spiteful way, in a hurtful way, in in in, in a in a really immature way really so sometimes that can be that can cut a little bit deeper mm. i feel like i feel like if you have cultivated your relationships with other people in your network right so we're talking about your core mm. if you're talking about your core network and you've created these relationships with people they're going to give you feedback and you should always be open to feedback, always be open to feedback and having a dialogue around, well, tell me, tell me more about this feedback. What are you seeing? Just today, I'm, I'm working on a, a presentation and 
I sent it to three people that I trust unequivocally and said, I need your feedback on this if you have the time, because I trust that they're going to provide me with, with feedback. So kind of going back to your question, how you put it all together. For me personally, the <clears throat> way I put it together is by looking at, you know, how I want to communicate my message and what platforms I have to communicate my message. And for me, it's, it's being a host of a podcast is being a guest on podcast. It's putting things out on social media that I believe are of value that, that I believe will, will make somebody smile or make somebody stop and think and say, huh, and I, I recently had a guest on named Jennifer Walton. It's episode 94, I think. Jennifer Walton does not know how to fail. She just doesn't know how to fail. In fact, she got asked to give a TED, uh, TEDx talk or a, a, about, uh, about learning, learning how to be successful through failure. And she's like, uh, I just I haven't had any failures because she just doesn't see them as failures. She just sees them as, well, that didn't work. So not, what next? Well, that's and, the point, and, isn't it? And that is the point about failure. We have this big thing about failure. And yet, you know, you know, when you're a toddler, you don't want someone fall over and go, oh, you're never going to walk. You just, it's just mm -hmm. hopeless. I wouldn't bother trying anymore. Just carry on crawling. You know, but it's like, why do we treat ourselves so shite when it comes to kind of failing? Yeah, yeah. And what I liked about her message was just that, <laughs> What she was saying overall in that that uh, that episode was that <laughs> she doesn't advertise her business; she advertises herself. She doesn't advertise her services; she advertises herself. She is the brand, and well, that's all the this way. time, that's the yeah, way, isn't it? And all this time, I've been offering. You know, I, I feel like I've been approaching this the wrong way. I've been offering my services. Anybody who who knows anything knows that mindfulness is beneficial. But why is practicing with mindfulness been with me beneficial? And it's, it's so I've had to kind of think about how to rebrand myself. And I feel like but through all these travels and all these experiences and all these conversations that I have had with people, it's allowed me to rebrand myself and it's allowed me to be a bit more authentic. It, it, it's allowed me to like, I just feel like I can be myself more so. So now you have been very candid on the show with us. And so that's in Japan in your last two weeks in Japan were tough and you, you relied mm. on your coach. How authentic were you about that to your audience? Because that is, that's the key, isn't it, really? When you can say, life sucks sometimes, but I'm doing it. <laughs> that, so that's what yesterday's episode was. Nine, episode 96, Managing Overwhelming Emotion. And I talked about exactly what we talked about right here. Just, but, then I, but then I also talked about, I didn't leave it at that. I said, listen, I'm... I'm going through all of these these life changes and I've talked about I've I talk about the challenges all the time that I'm going through on on the podcast. But then I also say this is how I'm managing it. And and 
I I tell people I don't need you to be sympathetic for me because I I know that I put myself in this situation with the life choices that I made. I could have just continued working as a dean of students, but then what what experiences would that have robbed me of at this point? I would much rather have had these experiences than any experience I could have had as a dean of students, right? So. So I am very candid on this show and I'm very candid on my show too. Mm. And and there are episodes, especially if if people go back and listen to season five of, of, of the show, even when I listen to it and I'm having conversations with guests, I can hear desperation in my voice. I can hear desperation just in the questions that I'm asking them, almost like I'm asking them, how do I like, like it's almost like I'm having a one-on-one conversation with them seeking their advice because I'm the one who needs it. And I listen back to those, those, those season five episodes. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like how pathetic and desperate do you sound right here? Like you were really going through it, no, I but I had to go through it in order to get to where I am now. And am I going through it right now? Absolutely. But do I have better skills? Have I sharpened my skills? Have I sharpened my saw? Absolutely. My The tools that I have in my toolbox are far better yes. now than the ones that I had a year ago. And they're, I don't even know that I had tools in my toolbox 10 years ago when I first like, started practicing mindfulness. It sounds like you and I have had a very similar journey because I did the same thing five years ago. I started this podcast with purely that intent. How the hell do you do this life thing? You know, and that's what I was asking <laughs> the question about. <clears throat> I'm not sure I sounded desperate. I think I'll put on a show, but uh, but it's like they were the, they were the questions. They were like, well, why am I doing this? Why, why are we doing this life thing? What's it for? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it is, it is fascinating, this stuff. And I think that's one of the things that I, I'm sad about. And one thing why I, I keep going with the podcast and I keep pushing it in respect is that I think a fantastic, huge amount, I don't know the numbers, but a lot of people do not even think about these questions. And, and I think that's why, and it, it smacks them like in the head around like a brick. Cause what happens is something in their life changes and poof, I wasn't expecting that. And they have got no tools to deal with it. And that's the double-edged sword of practicing mindfulness is that through my mindfulness practice, I've become more curious and I've become more aware, which means I have more internal conversations with myself. So if if I get into a feedback loop, then that's not healthy. So that's why I'm such a huge advocate for therapy. And I'm a huge advocate for therapy over talking to your friends about things because your friends, I mean, they've got their own shit going on. They've got, they've got their own things that they're processing and they don't have the, the training that a therapist does. And maybe some people have had really bad experiences with therapy. I completely understand that, but there is a therapist out there for you. And I'm, I'm an advocate for every single human being having, going to therapy because there is a cleansing of it. You change the oil in your car, even when it, you know, even if the car is running fine, you know that you need to change the oil at some point. 
And that's what therapy sort of feels like, is that it feels like a change in oil, but sometimes it feels like like an all-out tune-up because, you know, the cars, but I, I know that uh, they had to do some work on my car here recently, and when I get back to it, it's going to look brand new and it's going to run smoothly. And, and to me, that's kind of how I look at therapy is that you need that tune-up from time to time. And if you're sitting there thinking, you know, uh, uh, well, I don't, I don't need it. It, it might, it, you probably do. Maybe you might be in the most need for it then because you're lacking the awareness that there, there are things that, that are surfacing that you're either ignoring or you're actively pushing away. Mm. And there might be a very small percentage of people out there who are like, dude, I got it. And to you, I say props to you. Keep up the good work. But the overwhelming majority, <clears throat> I don't know that we have this, this awareness. And I also think, too, as we practice, as I practice mindfulness, it's important for me to, to process with a therapist because all these things are coming up and they're new, they're new things that I'm now suddenly aware of. And it's like, Oh, you know what? I, I need, I need to process through this. I need to get another, I need to get another lens on this. And sometimes I'm able to, if it's something simple, I can go to my friends and I can say, Hey, you know, I'm just kind of thinking about this. What are, what are your two cents? Or even the three people that I asked for feedback today, you know, just, just, yeah, I just need something quick. But when it when I've hit that tornado of of negativity or I'm spiraling and and some sort of you know, feedback loop of of anxiety and overwhelming stress, it's nice to work with a therapist because they can help you really reframe some of the narratives that are spinning around in your head. Mm. Yeah, I just realized we've, we've touched and spoken about the word mindfulness many times in this podcast over the last hour or so. And while I know what mindfulness is, and I'm sure some people know what mindfulness, I guess we probably should put a definition of it, really. Um, I mean, I had read somewhere that the Buddha pretty much created mindfulness, what he said, but what's your sense of it? I mean, is, 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 because it's an industry now, mindfulness, everyone does mindfulness. Yeah, yeah. You can pay a lot of money for mindfulness now as well. (laughs) Yeah, they they call it McMindfulness because it's been McDonaldized here in some (laughs) regards. But when I define mindfulness, I think about uh, being with the present moment, with you putting an intention on the present moment, you're focused on the present moment, and you're doing so with open curiosity, compassion, awareness, and non judgment. And the non-judgment piece is is a crucial component of it because what we're trying to do is we're trying to move from doing mode to being mode. And being mode can feel self-indulgent. It can feel lazy. The reality is even when we are being lazy, our mind is still in doing mode. And so how do we then train the mind to simply be present, to simply be focused on one thing, especially nowadays when we're being quote unquote lazy, we're usually doing it with a phone in our hand or Netflix on the TV. 
So we're taking in input, but then how do we, how do we eliminate or not eliminate, but how do we take a, take these things and just put a focus on them? I mean, even just looking at a, at, at a TikTok video is that it, a lot of times people are just kind of scrolling from one to the next, right? So how do we then just take our phone, set it to the side and put our focus instead then on <clears throat> our breath and sit with our breath or even sit with the sounds in the room and where we are. And then where that non-judgment piece comes in is just letting the breath be. It's just letting the sounds be. But then knowing that thoughts are going to come to us. So then letting those thoughts arrive and in being curious about them, being open to them, but then understanding this idea of impermanence as well, that those thoughts are eventually going to leave. So if you think of them kind of like, uh, I do a meditation with, with my clients where I have them envision a snow globe. And uh, what's interesting is when you talk to people from Singapore, they don't know what a snow globe is because they've never seen snow in their life. So that was kind of, so I'm like, well, I know you know what rain is if you live in Singapore, <laughs> but if you, you take a, take this idea of a snow globe and you as the snow globe and you shake it up and the, the, the snowflake Fritz as, as your thoughts, well, how do you then just maybe pay attention to one of those and watch it from load along to until it lands? And then picking another one and watching it float along until it lands. And being then present with your thoughts in that way, a thought comes to you. And rather than letting it build up into in your mind, just being present with that thought and then watch it float away. And then another thought comes in and being present with that and slowing down those thoughts that are arriving like butterflies. I'm a big Pearl Jam fan, so I might as well make a Pearl Jam reference. So all these thoughts that are arriving over and over and over again, we're slowing them down. We're being present with them. Or just simply being with our <clears throat> breath and recognizing when we're no longer aware of being with our breath, no longer aware that we're focused on the inhale and the exhale. And a lot of people will say, ah, I, I feel like I'm not... I don't feel like I'm doing it right. And it's like, well, if you're practicing, you're doing it right. The practice is in the failure. So when you realize, when you become aware that you're no longer focused on your breath, when you realize that you are no longer focused on the sounds in the room and some thought has taken you to the past or to the, uh, to the, to the future, then the awareness is, oh, I am no longer with my with my breath. I am no longer with the sounds in the room. And then you're able to bring yourself back and sit with that as long as you can. And sometimes it's only a few seconds again, but then you start it all over. The awareness of, oh, I'm no longer with my breath. And bringing yourself back compassionately and without judgment. My breakthrough I think in mindfulness and I've been practicing various aspects of it for years not not with a teacher or anything else but I've just been using it every, every so often 
but it was when I started running, that's when mindfulness absolutely kicked in and, and I'd never looked back. And when I run, there are times when I can literally be, it, it's, it's the words do not explain this, but it's just like, there's the breath, there's my footfall, there's the pattern where my hands are, there's the pattern where there's, there's how my foot hits the ground. And there's, there's a whole combination of things that I become aware of. And in the last few months, I've, I've realized there's a funny thing about runners. Most runners run their backsides off. They have no bum. If you see someone who's a runner, <laughs> their bum is flat. And what that's caused by is that the muscles in the front of their legs have got bigger and their back muscles, the muscles at the back haven't been used properly. So they, 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 they disappear and the fat's gone as well. So they're flat bottomed. And what I realize is if I can engage those big glute muscles and get them strong again, I get to run faster. So there's this whole process of running where I'm thinking about firing that muscle and, and I'm clenching my bum muscles as I'm running to try and make, <laughs> so I'm consciously clenching each one. So it's really fascinating, this idea of mindfulness. I'm mindfulness. And so, you know, to train myself to do stuff. So yes, I hear what you say. And I just think it's amazing. You can find something that really brings it all home to you. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think people too often think, well, mindfulness is meditation. Yes, it is. Meditation is probably the most intense, extreme form of that practice. But you can mind, we do a mindful walk and we do just like what you talked about, where we pay attention to the footfall of, of each step and where we feel that throughout our body. We do body scans where we just lie on the floor, but then I have, it's kind of like I have you envision that there's a spotlight on your, on your forehead and then on your cheeks and you know, what sort of sensations are coming to you as those, as, as the spotlight, as we say, is on that part of the body. Uh, when I was back, when I was uh, teaching, the first thing that I would do in the morning when I got into the shower is I would mindfully wash my face. And I know that that sounds like, what is he talking about? So I used to have this electronic uh, uh, exfoliating brush. It was called a Clairsonic, and it was a vibrating exfoliating brush, and you could use it to wash your face in the shower. And it, it was, uh, you'd click the on button, and it was on for one minute. So then what I would do, because when I would wake up in the morning, I had 8 million thoughts in my head. I would get into the shower, and these 8 million thoughts would come into the shower with me. So I wanted to slow that down so I could carry on with my morning routine, which really just set this, which set me up for success later on and throughout the day. But what I would do is I take that Clarisonic and I would put it on my forehead and I would say forehead, right temple, right jaw, chin. And I would just simply be present with where the brush was <clears throat> on my face. And it was a one-minute mindfulness exercise, but it started my day in a, in a much more calm, soothing way. It slowed down those thoughts. People can mindfully brush their teeth. People can mindfully go for walks. They can go for runs. And this, I love this that vision of you concentrating on the footfall. 
they talk about mindful movement there. I had Venus Lau on the show. She's a mindful movement coach doing animal flow, engaging all of your muscles through this one movement in a way that you maybe have taken it uh, for granted. You know, I'm a certified personal trainer. We talk about mind muscle movement all the time, the mind body connection all the time, you know, making sure that you activate and fire. So Yes, firing glute muscles really hard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I like that. I like that you had that 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 awareness to do those kind of things because, yes, meditation is is probably the most purest form of it, and it is a crucial component to developing curiosity, openness, compassion, and awareness. But there are other ways that you can do it mm. as well, and it's important to mix up some of the 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 practices i use uh, your practice i use uh and i don't try to drive too much these days i don't and i don't do repetitive driving but i noticed when i used to do repetitive driving you could find yourself arriving at your destination with no consciousness of how you got there and so I, I i use mindfulness in driving these days so what i would do is i used to have it when i would commute to work it was about 25 minutes and I had an iPod that had over 8,000 songs on it. And a lot of the songs, like they were just on the iPod. I had never even heard them before. And sure, I could shuffle through and find the perfect song for the perfect moment in that drive. But instead, I just let whatever the iPod wanted to play, play. And it, it helped me develop a new appreciation for the music that was on my iPod. And, you know, listen, did the thong song by Cisco come on? Yes, absolutely. There were ridiculous songs on my iPod <laughs> and, and they would make me laugh or there would be songs or like, I hate this song. Why oh, yes. is this song even on my iPod? <laughs> and I would normally hit skip, but I'm like, nope, we're not hitting skip. We're going to listen through it and we're going to. But then what I would do is when I would get to work, I would write down what the commute playlist was. And what that allowed me to do was it was a good memory activity for me because then I would have to think about, okay, what song was going on here? What song, where was I in the drive? Okay. This song played, then what came on? What was I thinking about during this song? And it was just a, it was a great memory activity. And again, it was part of my morning routine and what it would do is just it settled my brain into thinking, but thinking sequentially, thinking logically, and and going from there. Mm, so an amazing exercise. I've not even considered doing that one before. I mean, I, when I do mindful driving, I I basically do. We have what's called an advanced driving course in the UK. I'm sure the American has a better version of it. Where, and what you're in an advanced driving course, you have to narrate what you're doing. Mm. So you, you narrate the driving to an instructor sitting next to you so that he can actively hear your thinking of your, how you're making decisions. So oh, I can see, really a, I, I can see a, a, a woman with a bike, uh, with, uh, with her bu uh, buggy, pushing a buggy. I'm just conscious she may choose to cross the road. So you just, you, you just have this mindfulness of, as you see around you. Oh, that's so interesting. So, so I use I, that I, one if I'm tired or something. I'm like, I'm, no, I'm going to consciously narrate what I'm doing, what's around me, just so just to be to stay present in this driving. 
So that's so interesting. When I, when I was a dean, I would have a peer coach and the peer coach would have to observe some of the work that I was doing and then give me feedback on yeah. that. And I was looking for something other than the peer coach observing me with a student or having a, a parent phone call conversation. So I was like, you know what, here's, I'd like you to do this. I am going to think out loud and share with just share out loud all the processes and like what I'm looking at reports and what I'm going to do without that information. So that's what I want you to, that's what I want you to observe. And I love feedback. I love feedback. So it was fun to be able to sit there and go through this data uh, on students and talk out loud about my rationale around what uh, what course of action I was going to take regarding how to support that student. And I enjoyed getting the feedback from that too. Mm. Mm. So look, we're close to the end of our time together. So I just thought I would just clarify a few things. So, you know, this thing about your what you do you offer people mindfulness you and you you do this coaching all, all over the world I, I guess yes yeah so i'm you know i'm currently in the process of becoming a certified mindfulness teacher mm -hmm. i offer virtual mindfulness sessions so i'm trying to do the the time conversion here but basically i offer them at 8 p.m on mondays central standard time so I don't know what that converts to uh, for your audience. They can do the math. Your, I'm, your yeah, audience you, is You can't. Sharp. Yeah, My audience is in Australia, Canada, US, India. All yeah. over. So, so the point yeah. is that it is, I think if they're interested in you, they'll come and talk to you. Whatever, no, that's perfect. Whatever the that's time perfect. frame is. But so the question is, Mondays, what is it that you give people? What is what what is the package? Yeah, yeah. So so like I said, it's a it's a we meet as a group <clears> and I lead them through a, a mindfulness meditation and those mindful me mindfulness meditations. Uh, so this week we did one on exploring, exploring yourself as a leader. Mm. What does that mean? What are your, a lot, very similar to some of the questions that you asked me at the beginning of this episode, what contributions do you want to make to yourself? What contributions do you want to make to the world? And we have a conversation uh, following that. What came up for you? during this conversation, or excuse me, during this meditation. So we have that conversation. And then we did a, uh, we did one where I think it was cultivating happiness in your life. Because what I was noticing was that there, the group, some of the people that were coming to the group the week before were really uh, stressed out. They, they, they were, the, things were, they were they were sharing just some of the 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 challenges that they were that were having in their life. So I try to tailor each course to what I think the group needs. And this felt like, hey, you guys just need a reminder of what's good in your life. And so let's talk about what's good in life. And and so we did that. We do gratitude meditations, but then we also do explorations of difficult emotions. And giving people permission to recall some of the challenges that they are facing right now and, and process through those, those challenges. 
But then we also just do basic meditations. Let's sit with our breath. Mm. Let's sit with the sounds in the room. Let's do a body scan. So just kind of some of the basic meditations too, some foundational meditations as well. And then I'm I'm working on a course that I'll release here in, in July. And then I'm going to have a deep dive course that I'm hoping to release in um, in September. Now I'm working with a client right now and actually going through that deep dive course with her and, and she really enjoys it. And she's getting a lot out of that, uh, out of that course. And, you know, the teacher in me really enjoys leading that kind of stuff too. One's a teacher, always a teacher, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I find <clears throat> that even leading through when I'm leading some, someone through a meditation, just how much that settles me in and grounds me in to, to the moment, tunes me into the moment. Because that's really what mindfulness is about, is tuning into the present and not tuning out of the present. Mm. So what's the one question you'd want people to ask of themselves or you? I guess the problem that I'm trying to help people solve is... How can I navigate the complexities and possibilities of life more mindfully? How can I navigate the complexities and possibilities of life with more curiosity, openness, compassion, and awareness? How can I, what steps can I take in order to, in order to reduce rumination and stress and anxiety? Um, and, and, and what does that look like? But then at the same time, asking, giving them permission to ask themselves, what, where are my curiosities? What are my strengths? And what are my resources? So that I can then, because passion is a byproduct of those three things. Passion is a byproduct of what your curiosities are, what your strengths are, and what your resources are. Because if you know what those three things are, then you're more inclined to pursue something that is of interest. And then once something is of interest to you and you start to get good at it, or you see it as something that, well, I can't let, I'm, I'm, I have to get good at it, then it becomes this passion. So that's why I'm always hesitant to say, you know, find your, or, you know, follow your passions. No, follow. Figure out what your strengths are. Figure out what your curiosities are. Figure out what your resources are. And if you don't know what those things are, let me help you find those things. If you don't know <laughs> where, how or when you're able to incorporate a, a mindfulness practice in your day, let's talk about that. Let's do a time inventory. Because uh, one of my one of my the guy who I kind of follow is a guy named Greg Scheinman, and he always says, show me your calendar and I'll show you your priorities. And I love that, that philosophy because as someone who likes structure, show me your calendar and I'll show you your priorities. If, you're, if, if you are unorganized or you're disorganized or your life is in chaos right now, let's, let's see if we can structure it a little bit. But I'm also going to give you an opportunity to, I'm also going to give you autonomy and flexibility within that structure. Because 
you need that. You need those things in order to find the fulfillment in there. But then let's create the structure so that there's some sort of external success mm. that that we that we capture as well. Yeah, I I've seen all sorts of structure things around that sort of stuff, and I think they all they all work, but it has to have the flexibility for the person. Agreed. agreed. And um, yeah, and I've seen seen people structuring time to play and time to be with kids and time this, and sometimes that feels a little bit like diarising those sort of things. It's sometimes a little bit autonomous, but like automatronic. But if it fits and it works for them, why why worry? Well, you know, I've someone. I've heard dating coaches and relationship coaches and marriage coaches say, structure date nights with your partner, structure sex nights with your partner. Well, as you get older and bits and pieces, you have to, because otherwise it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, you know, there's, there is a time and place for structure. There is a time and place for organization and to like to me, every day is structured. Every day is organized. You've got 24 hours in a day, but my 24 hours and your 24 hours, they look differently. They have different, we have different responsibilities. So when people say, you know, well, everybody has the same 24 hours. No, we don't. I'm not married and I don't have any kids. So I, my 24 hours look a hell of a lot different. <clears throat> no, than they're yours. Who's married. They're yeah, pretty exactly. much all yours. <laughs> yes, exactly. 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 So, you know, uh, uh, but, but we do have 24 hours. Yeah. So then in that 24 hours, what are your list of responsibilities? And then how can we create structure within those responsibilities? But then how can we also create autonomy and flexibility so you can also live your life that you are not just contributing to others, that you're also contributing and enriching your own life to your own life. Mm. I think the biggest takeaway for me from that conversation is this the journey that you've been on and the journey that everyone is on and, and the recognition that, that being mindful of the journey actually allows the journey to have more quality value and ultimately leads to greater happiness. Which is an external thing, and which is actually not an external thing. Yeah, and it's it's not even so much. I'm not even necessarily seeking happiness as I am experience, mm. and as as I'm seeking growth. That to mm. me is more important than happiness, because I think happiness is a byproduct of experience and growth. But so is frustration. So is confusion. And all of those are valid parts of the, of the pie because without Absolutely. them, you can't get to appreciate the other bits. You can't have continued perpetual growth. Or can you? Exactly. Exactly. And so what I'm trying to help people yeah. when, when, I, when I'm doing my mindfulness coaching is be open to feeling all of the emotions. Mm. And, and rather than trying to push them away, be open to it all mm. and use them all as as teachers well Bilal, this has been an amazing conversation thank you so much for spending a good hour and a bit with me and, and, and exploring the journey of your life and how you mindfully navigate it no i really appreciate it this is definitely one of my favorite conversations <laughs> so far so i appreciate it paul so how will people find you should they want to yeah they can find me at uh they can find me on instagram it's mindful underscore 
Oh boy, let me try this again. They can find me on Instagram at mindful underscore midlife underscore crisis. Oh, don't worry. That's, they can... They're never going to remember that one. The links will be on the show notes. No problem. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, it's really easy. Just look for the Mindful Midlife Crisis podcast on Instagram. <laughs> you can go to www.mindfulmidlifecrisis.com. Yeah. Mindful Midlife Crisis is on all the podcast uh, uh, apps, uh, platforms, or you can go to LinkedIn. If you're a LinkedIn user, you can find Billy Lahr, B-I-L-L-Y-L-A-H-R. And I... I I like communicating with people. It's it's a lot of fun. I'm I'm like I said I'm offering up the uh, I'm currently doing the virtual mindfulness session. So if you go to the website www.mindfulmidlifecrisis.com, click on the banner at the top, get some information there. Connect with me via email, mindfulmidlifecrisis at gmail.com. We can you can tech, contact me there too. Listen, I'm in a foreign country where I where you know I don't speak the language, so any opportunity I have to have a conversation I'm, I'm sure with somebody, I, I, I enjoy. I I've relish. never <laughs> had someone run their links quite so quickly. I expect they're going to have to slow that podcast down to hear those links. Perhaps you should try checking checking the show notes to find those. Yes. We're never going to remember what? any of them. There's always <laughs> good stuff in the show notes. You should always check the show notes. People work hard on those show notes. <laughs> I can't say I worked that hard on them, but the links are there. <laughs> Thank you, Billy. It's been a pleasure and uh, uh, an experience to be here. A mindful experience. Thank you so much. Thank you. All the best. And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, Billy La. If you would like to connect with Billy, you can find him on Instagram. That's the Mindful Midlife Crisis. You can find him on Facebook. There's a Facebook group. The link for that will be in the show notes. You can also find him on LinkedIn, Billy Lahr. That's L-A-H-R. There's also a website which is mindfulmidlifecrisis.com. Now, all those links will be available at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. Okay, as I mentioned at the beginning, now is the time to discover how to find some more focus in your life and get things done. Okay, so we're all looking to move forward. We all want to find some measure of success in the world. And if you've heard the podcast, you know I have a view of success, but that's another conversation. The point is, however you look at this, we want to get things done. You might want to get a project over the line. You might have a really big goal that you're looking to to move, to move forward on. And the problem is, whenever we start these projects, whenever we do anything like this, there's always some resistance. There's always something that gets in the way. And that can be a multitude of things. Um, But the key to this is how do we retain focus and stay with the project and push it over the line? And that's where focus coaching can help. Now, it's a a process that I discovered some 15 years ago during my coach training. And it's something sometimes called focus coaching, turbo coaching, speed coaching. And it's a really simple process where we, we define what it is you're trying to achieve. And we look at the resistance that you're experiencing in that achievement, come up with some strategies to solve that resistance, commit to setting a date, and I hold your feet to the fire to make sure that you do that. So there's a commitment, there's an accountability process, and that's it. That's basically how it works. You get it done. And I can tell you, it is so powerful when you start working in this way, particularly when you work with someone who supports you in the process of doing it. And one thing to remember, you know, success is never guaranteed, but the struggle always is. And that's what this coaching is designed to do, designed to get you through the struggle towards the success you're looking for. 
So do check out the uh, link in on this podcast or at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. You will find a video of me again explaining this process. But if you go below the video, there's a booking link where we'll have a discussion about your project and how we could get you sorted. As always, if you have enjoyed this podcast, if you found anything here of any use, please share it with a friend because that's how people like yourself find good podcasts. If you can, give us a review. Give us a five-star review. I have to ask for five stars. Why not? I think I'm worth it. When you support a podcast in that way, you have no idea how effective it is, both in terms of supporting us on the platform, but it also makes us feel good. Yes, it makes me feel good, and I like to feel good. As always, thank you for your time and attention. I will catch you next time.